and welcome to Greg Chapman Almost Live Stories of Steam, my brand new podcast slash sort of online virtual live show for those who get to see it recorded live. Welcome, welcome. If you had a chance to see me during the lockdown of 2020, I started producing these almost live shows. I started producing a series of virtual shows, including some improvised steampunk stories. Well, the lockdown is over, the pandemic finished, we were all released back out into the world once again, and I thought, well, that would kind of be an end to the an end to the almost live show. People went back out. You've you've all got other things to be doing. We actually have real life events to be going to. I didn't have time to sit down and record a live show every couple of weeks on the on the Facebook Live. And then, just as we were all getting wildly back out into the world. I've been confined to barracks again. Uh, unfortunately, I've had, well, something wrong with me. Um, I mean, some might argue that know me well that I've had something wrong with me for a little while, but I've actually had something physically wrong with me. I've got a an issue with my wrist, my hand, and my back. And basically, you know, without going into too many complicated details, I'll just list a few of the things I can't do. Um, I can't juggle. Uh, as you know, I'm a, a professional juggler. I have been a professional juggler for a long time. I can't juggle. I can't do magic. Unfortunately, hand doesn't quite work for magic at the moment because it doesn't really work for anything at all. And uh, with my back, I can I can't really stand still. I can't really walk more than a couple of hundred yards. And uh, even sitting down still is quite painful. So basically, anything I might need to go out and do a live performance. <laughs> Has been uh, has been taken away from me for the moment, and so while we waited to get this fixed, I thought, well, the one thing that I can still do, the one element of my show that this will not be able to take away from me, is I can still talk nonsense, and that's basically the idea of this podcast. It always has been. So I'm going to be recording, and the way this basically works is, I'm sat here now. I've got Facebook Live set up. I've got a few people watching live on Facebook, dropping in comments. Hello, Helen. Hello, Jeanette. Hello, Felicity. Thank you all for joining me live. Thank you to anyone else that's popping up. Please do comment. Let me know who you are. I can see there's more numbers than there are names there. And I'm going to be recording this live, and I'll always let you know when the next live recording is going to take place so that if you want to watch it live and get involved in helping craft the story, you can. But in the meantime, because I know everyone's busy, everyone's out on the road, everyone is attending live shows and live events, it's also in your ears now. If you're listening to this now on a podcast, you already know that it's a podcast. I didn't think that through before I started it. Anyway, moving very, very quickly to the actual thrust of the podcast. The idea is that these will be short stories, as I say, entirely improvised with the aid of the people that are watching live. Whoever's watching live can help me sort of craft the story and we'll We'll work on that as we go along. Now, the first thing I am going to ask those people watching live to do for me today is to decide on a genre of story. Now, every story is going to be a steampunk story. Most of them, I'll be honest, will be about myself and Felicity in some sort of steampunk world. But I'm going to try and mix up the genres, have a bit of fun with it, play around with the concepts of different stories. So those people watching, please, if you want to start typing in your comment box, let me know different genres and I will pick one in just a few moments time. Also, just before we begin, a big thank you to Sonic909, who recorded the theme music for this podcast. It's actually the theme music for my magic show series, which you can find online in various places. 
So I think we are nearly time now, nearly time to begin the very first Greg Chapman Almost Live Stories of Steam Stories. And I'm just keeping an eye on the comment box to see the genres of different stories coming in. It could be a, could it be a romance today? Could it be a mystery? Could it be, I don't know, a, a sci-fi story? I mean, obviously, they're all steampunk, so don't put steampunk in the comment box. And we are, uh, we are nearly ready to start to the story. I've, actually, I haven't come up with a title. I ought to come up with a title as well. Um, if anyone's got any title suggestions, oh, we've got, uh, we've got a comment coming in. Okay, it's going to be a detective. <laughs> it's going to be a detective story. Oh, it's going to be a time-travel detective story today. We've leapt in with two. We're, yeah, okay, mystery. That works as well. Brilliant. We're getting a bit of consensus. We're going to have a time-travel mystery detective story today. Which means, I think, and all I'm going to do, I'm going to take all of these different comments. Oh, hold on, another one's leapt in. Supernatural as well. Okay, so it's going to be... Uh, what I was going to do, I was going to pick one genre, but we kind of leapt in with four there. So this is going to be a, a supernatural time-travel mystery detective story, which is going to begin in just a few moments' time. Oh, actually, we'll just call that the title, shall we? So here we go. The very, very first, oh, hold on, we've got a, a suggestion coming for a title, Detective Sparkles and his hunchback sidekick. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think what I'm going to call this one, I am going to call this one, The Ever So Slightly Exaggerated Tales of Mr. Greg Chapman and the Supernatural Trine Travel Mystery Detective. And the reason I'm going to call it that is because immediately as these words come in, it actually takes me back in time. It takes me back in time just a few years. And a few years ago, Felicity and I, we were actually out on a walk on our local beach. We were just strolling down the local beach as we are wont to do on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, it was a Sunday afternoon, just to make that clear, because I know sometimes people don't set stories in specific times and places. And if I was like, it's a Wednesday afternoon, you'd be thinking, well, hang on, shouldn't you be at work? And then you'd remember that I was a professional juggler and magician, and you think, hang on, did you ever go to work? And we, we won't get too far into that. But it was a, a Sunday afternoon, and Felicity, my wife and I, we were strolling down our local beach. And we were just enjoying ourselves, wandering along, and we, we live down on the Isle of Wight. So when you walk on the local beach, there's very, very few sights to see, very, very few man-made sights and objects. But suddenly, as we were walking on the beach, we saw a flash, a flash of light in the sky above us. And as we looked up, we saw a glowing orb, like a static electrical charge bouncing around, like ball lightning, that sort of thing, just bouncing around and flying through the sky, zipping backwards and forwards through the air. Well, immediately I threw myself to the ground and started crying like a little baby because I was absolutely terrified. Felicity, of course, she's made of slightly sterner stuff. She approached the glowing ball, wondering what was going to happen. And a glowing ball floated down towards Lady Felicity, floated down right in front of her, maybe maybe a foot away from her. Or for those of you who don't understand imperial measurements, a ruler's distance away from her. She reached out towards the glowing orb, shining bright. And it was actually so brightly shining, it was glistening in her eyes. And she reached out to touch. Now, I will just say this is kind of one of these slight problems. You know, I... Lady Felicity, absolutely wonderful. Uh, and, she, you know, she's my wife. She's absolutely brilliant. 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Lady Felicity, but I'm just saying that if you see a bright, shiny, sparkly object, it might be best to establish whether it's safe or not before you start going after the bright, shiny, sparkly object. But anyway, she'd seen this bright, sparkly, shiny object, and she reached out to touch the bright, spikely, 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 sparkly, shiny object. She reached out, and a second she laid her hand on that bright, sparkly orb. She disappeared. Vanished in thin air. Of course, I immediately leapt to my feet. By the way, people watching live, uh, in a minute I need in the comments on Facebook Live, I'm going to need a historical time period, please, if you get those in the comments. I stood up. Lady Felicity was gone. Obviously, this was tragic, and I, I knew immediately that no matter how scary this bright, sparkly object was, I was going to have to attempt to get Lady Felicity back. And so, I approached this sparkly, sparkly object. I reached out my hand tentatively towards it. I was a little bit worried. I didn't really want to touch it. I didn't know what would happen when I touched it. I didn't know which time period I was going to go back to, but the second I touched it, thank you very much, the second I touched it, I zapped backwards through the air. I could feel myself, it was almost like I was jumping out on an aeroplane on a parachute through goo and slime and electricity all at once. I was just sort of buzzing and shaking and bright lights. And then suddenly I landed on the ground. I landed on the ground and I looked around me to see what time period I had ended up with. And then I realized that people were slightly oddly dressed. And when I realized that people were slightly oddly dressed, I immediately recognized not just the time period I was in, but also as I noticed a crowd of people walking towards me down the beach, I recognized the one right in the middle of them, a large, jolly looking man with a beard. I thought, that's Father Christmas. I opened my arms. I said, Father Christmas, is that you? Um, long story short, it wasn't Father Christmas, it was actually Henry VIII. Um, I'd actually managed to go back to the Tudor period, and turns out, a little bit of advice for you, if you're ever lucky enough to meet royalty, uh, particularly royalty like Henry VIII, who has a propensity for, um, for leaving his wives in, uh, well, you know, let's face it, I was going to say propensity for leaving, so I was going to say he tend to chop his wife's heads off. But I'm not sure it's fair to say he tends to chop his wife's head off. I mean, let's be fair, he only actually chopped the heads off two of his wives. I mean, one of them survived. You know, that, that's that's not a bad ratio, is it? I mean, let's be fair. I mean, I'll be honest, I've never chopped the heads off any of, well, my wives or anyone else's. But if you ever get the chance to meet Henry Tudor, do not compare him with Father Christmas, whether or not the Tudor King of England would have known who Father Christmas was. We won't worry about this point in time. But I said, Father Christmas, I ran up to Henry VIII, and as soon as I ran towards him, two guards, two soldiers dressed in their medieval Tudor period armour ran forward, grabbed me, and wrestled me to the ground. At this point in time, I knew I was in trouble. And I looked across at Henry VIII, who was looking down at me. He was, he was a big man, and I suddenly realised that... <laughs> suddenly realised that I didn't recognise the lady on his arm. I tried to take myself back through the, the various wives of Henry VIII. Obviously, there's Anne and Anne, and I think there's another Anne. Then there's a couple of Catherines and a Jane. I think that's basically the wives of Henry VIII, but she didn't look like she was any of them. This was all starting to feel a little bit strange. As the soldiers dragged me off, they dragged me back up the beach. They dragged me to a horse and cart. I got shoved into the horse and cart, tied up, bound and shoved into a sack on the back of this horse and cart. 
and we were ridden, and I could feel the horse and cart moving along, bouncing around, bouncing along, bouncing along, moving down the streets. I wondered where. Where were we being taken on the Isle of Wight? I thought there must be some sort of castle. And I thought, aha, I know, Yarmouth Castle. I believe Yarmouth Castle was actually built by Henry VIII. This was starting to position me in time, and also it's also given an opening for anyone that wants to complain about the podcast. If you find out Yarmouth Castle wasn't built by Henry VIII, and I've just made that up, you can write a complaint in. That's absolutely fine. We arrived. The carriage stopped. And I felt the sack I was in being lifted out and dropped onto the floor. And then I was dragged along and I heard the clanking of chains and a rattling of keys and a slamming of a dungeon door. As soon as I heard the dungeon door slam, I slowly started to make my way out of the restraints that I was in, out of the sack that I'd been thrown into, obviously using my escapology skills to escape from that particular sack. And as soon as I made my way out of the sack, I looked around the dungeon that I was in. I was all on my own in a dungeon. It was dark. There was one small window showing a little bit of light and there was one of those good old-fashioned metal framed barred gates at the door. I had to get out of this metal framed barred gate because remember I still had to solve this paranormal mystery detective thriller thing that we're working on at the moment. Of course, I had the major mystery to solve. Well, two major mysteries to solve if we think, but well, three, it, three, let's go with three mysteries that I needed to solve. I needed to figure out who this mysterious woman was that was with Henry VIII. I needed to figure out where Lady Felicity had disappeared to. And I had to figure out why we were doing this whole time travel thing with a sparkly ball in the first place. But before all of that, I had to get myself out of this particular dungeon. And then, on the other side of the bars, I saw a dog holding the keys, and I thought, aha, I saw this in that Pirates of the Caribbean movie, this isn't too difficult, all you have to do is get the dog to come over and bring the keys. I whistled to the dog, I realised I had in my pocket some dog biscuits, because I'd been walking on the beach, and obviously any time you're walking on the beach you should take dog biscuits with you, in case you or a canine friend should happen to get hungry. And so I took one of the dog biscuits out and I, and I was waving it out through the bars of the cage and a dog came over and it took one look at the biscuit, turned up his nose and wandered out taking the keys with him. Well, not to worry, I thought, because I know the secret of getting out of a dungeon. I had learned this long, long ago because I noticed on one side of the dungeon there was a bench. Now, some of you will not know how you use a bench to get out of a locked dungeon. Well, let me let you know if you don't know how this works. You take the bench and you break the bench in half. You put the two halves together and they make a hole. Once you've made the hole, you can climb through the hole and you can get out the dungeon. Basically, it turns out that riddles don't work in real life. I'd always been taught that one way. The teacher turns out all you end up with is a broken bench. However, if you're in an old-fashioned dungeon with quite rusty gates and quite rusty hinges, if you take half the bench and just use it to batter at the door, eventually the door will fall down and you can walk out anyway. And that's what I did. I got out of the dungeon and I climbed up into the castle, creeping through the castle, looking around me, looking around me on all sides for the guards. I saw a guard coming round the corner. I hid. I waited for him to go past. I took the half a bench I was still holding in my hand. I hit him over the head. 
I thought, wow, that's quite a comical sound effect considering I've probably just done this guy some severe damage by whacking him over the head with a wooden bench. Anyway, the guy fell to the ground. I thought, actually, it's not very subtle knocking someone out if they're wearing a full suit of armour, because as soon as you knock them out, there's like a crash and a bang. I thought, not to worry, I don't think anyone heard, I've got time. I thought, again, I've seen this in the movies. It's quite simple, all I have to do is I have to take the guy's armour off of him and put it onto myself. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried actually putting an entire suit of armour on yourself. Basically, it did not go well. So in the end, I left the suit of armour where it was. I stayed in my real clothes. I carried on up the stairs until I heard the sound of a page boy. I thought, ah, this is much better. The page boy ran around the corner. I picked up the bench. Ba-doing! I hit him on top of the head. The page boy hit, collapsed on the ground. I looked at him. I thought... Yeah, you're a little bit slimmer than I am, mate. That's not going to do me any good. So I left it there. I carried on up the corridor a little bit further. And there, there, just coming around the corner, there was one of the Queen's ladies-in-waiting. There was a, a lady in a fancy ball gown. I thought, there is absolutely no way I can possibly uh, hit a lady in a ball gown over the head and maintain any sort of credibility in this story. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to let her go. Luckily, as she ran past, she tripped over the dog with the key from earlier. She tripped over the dog with the key, fell over, accidentally bonked her head on the edge of the bench that I was just holding just carelessly in my hand, bonked her head, and I thought, well, that's absolutely fine. So I just took off the top layer of her garments. I didn't, I didn't undo any of the undergarments. This wasn't anything weird. I took the top layer of her garments. I put this Elizabethan dress on. Luckily, I've got the long hair. I thought it's Tudor times. Nobody's going to notice the beard anyway. And I carried on up the stairs. And I walked up the stairs and I entered into the main hall of the castle where in front of me I saw... Henry VIII sat on his chair. The mysterious woman sat beside him. I, I can't help thinking, I, I don't want to be judgy here or anything. I can't help thinking, I thought, she seems quite familiar. I also thought, quite ugly. I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't think she was a, she was much of a looker, the lady sat next to Henry VIII. But I thought, okay, we'll just leave that be. I carried on. I saw Henry VIII and I wandered over and I started to speak to one of the other ladies in waiting. I said, uh, 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 hello. I don't know why I just did a really quite posh male voice there and quite, sort of quite a soft voice. And I, I looked at the lady in waiting and I said, hello. Um, hello, I, I'm the new lady in waiting. And I would just like to know. And she looked at me without this look of horror on her face. Almost as though she had just seen a ghost, something wrong. She said to me, how, how can you be there? I thought, that's a better than an odd thing to say. How does she even know me? How does she, I haven't even been in this time. So she said, how can you possibly be there when you're also over there? And she reached out and she pointed up towards King Henry VIII and the rather ugly look, the incredibly attractive young lady that I suddenly realised was sat next to Henry VIII because at that moment in time I suddenly became very aware that the unusual looking lady sat with Henry VIII was in fact me, myself. And she was looking back at me and we both suddenly realised we'd made a terrible mistake. This is obviously some future version of myself. And we'd met in the same room. This was a major issue and could ruin the whole space-time continuum. Unless someone could come in and save the day. And at that moment, suddenly, a shout came from outside. 
Fire! Fire! There was a mass panic. People started scattering in every direction. People started running out. As I started to run out of the room, I was grabbed. I thought, oh no, this is it. I raised the half a bench that I was still holding in my hand, very thankful that nobody had asked the lady in waiting why she was wandering around with half a bench from a dungeon. I raised half a bench in my hand. I turned around to hit the person who had grabbed me. It was Lady Felicity standing there in front of me. Luckily, I stopped myself just before the branch came down on her head with a dong. She was safe. She saw me. She said, Greg, I don't know what's going on here. There's two of you. She said, I'm here. The Tudors are here. Henry VIII is here. We need to get out of here. I said, well, there's only one way for us to get out of here now. We are going to have to find the sparkly, glowing object. It's the only thing we can possibly do. And so... <laughs> And so we ran out of the room. We ran out onto the main gardens of the castle, overlooking the sea, looking around. I said, well, what we have to do, we have to get back to the beach. There is no other possible way we can solve this. We have to go back to where it started. And so we ran to the edge of the castle and down below us, there were two horses standing there. Well, we knew what we had to do. I'd seen this again on the films and Lady Felicity, she knew exactly what to do. She leapt from the top of the castle. She fell flowing down through the air, landing perfectly side saddle on the back of the horse who looked up at her very calmly. She gave a little flick of the reins and they started to gallop off down the road. I felt perfect. I can do exactly the same thing. I ran to the edge of the castle. I leapt off. I landed on the back of the horse. The horse turned around, looking at me like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Why are you jumping on my back? Why are you so heavy? What is going on? Anyway, the horse kicked off, reared up on his back legs. I could barely hold on and it pelted off down the road straight after Lady Felicity's horse. It took us all the way to the beach where we saw something very, very strange was going on because now the boar that had been sat there before had returned and it was growing bigger and bigger and bigger. I thought, wow, this is some sort of really mysterious, paranormal, sparkly thing and I'm going to have to be some sort of mysteriously sparkly, paranormal detective in order to solve this. And so I approached the mysteriously sparkly detective paranormal light. And as I approached the sparkly light, I saw myself in the reflection, looking back at me, but not me as I was now, but me as I was in the past. The me that had first come back to this time period, I said, Felicity, I've got it figured out. All we have to do is we just have to touch the crystal, sparkly, glowy ball thing again, and it will take us back, reset us back to the beginning of the story. And so we reached out, we touched the crystal sparkly thing, and with a flash and a blinding light, we were no longer in Tudor, England. We suddenly found ourselves on the beach, back. We could hear the sound of cars once again, a sound that I never thought I'd want to hear, but a sound that told us we were safely back home. And we stood there. We breathed a sigh of relief, both of us safe. And then Lady Felicity looked at me, and I looked at Lady Felicity, and then we both heard the sound coming down the beach of a tour group coming down. And I suddenly realized we were actually supposed to be uh, leading a tour group that day. We were going to be showing people some of the dinosaur remains on the Isle of Wight. And I looked down at myself and I realized I was still wearing a, a medieval lady in waiting's dress. And I thought this really isn't appropriate. I need to find somewhere to hide. I turned around and ran to try and find somewhere to hide. But of course, I didn't look behind me. I turned around and I ran straight into the blinding sparkly light. I went back through the blinding sparkly light.
and I landed once again on the beach in Tudor times. But it was dark. It was the middle of the night. So I took myself off the beach. Thank you so much, Helen, for saying that's a great look. I've just spotted that coming up in the comments. I snuck off the beach. The horses were gone, or perhaps were never there at all. I don't know how time works in this sort of thing. And so I started to walk. And I will admit it took me a long time. It took me many, many hours to walk from that beach all the way to Yarmouth Castle, where I had left my clothes. I snuck in, climbed up the outside of the castle, climbed over the wall. I snuck in. And there, I thought, I know where I left my clothes. They were downstairs. I went downstairs towards the dungeon. My clothes weren't there. The lady-in-waiting wasn't there. The, the page boy that I'd knocked out wasn't there. The knight I'd knocked out wasn't there. Neither was his pile of armour. And when I got down to the bottom of the steps and I saw the dungeon, the dungeon was completely intact. I was too early. I had arrived back in time too early to collect my stolen clothes. And so... I decided not to worry, I can wait it out. I went back upstairs and I sat on a bench. I thought, hang on, this is an odd place for a bench, perhaps I should take this bench. And I went back downstairs with the bench, I borrowed the keys off of the dog, I opened the door, I put the bench inside the dungeon, I thought that might come in handy later. Went back out, closed the door, climbed back up the stairs. As soon as I reached the top of the stairs, this king came round the corner in front of me, King Henry VIII, he looked at me. I looked at him. I started to worry because he had that look in his eyes, that look that only King Henry VIII can have. That look that says, Hello, beautiful. Your head would look really good on my wall. I, I don't think... No, actually, did he, did he mount... I, actually, there is no historical evidence that King Henry VIII mounted the heads of any of his wives, obviously. So he looked at me and I started to talk to him and I thought, well, I've got to just keep talking to him. If I, if I you know, stop talking to him, who knows what crazy ideas will get into his head. And I started to speak to him and I said, ah, but my king, did you know that down on the beach, right this moment, there is a, a magical, sparkly object glowing in the sky? He said, surely not. I said, yes, there is. He said, well, we won't go and see it at once. He said, we will wait we will wait until morning. We will wait until morning and then we will gather up a crowd and we will go down and we will have a look at the beach. I said, um, okay, yeah, so um, what should we do to morning? He said, well, uh, if you like, you could come back to my room. I said, hang on, uh, Your Majesty, wouldn't it be a good idea to have a bit of a midnight snack? Now, famously, Henry VIII never wanted to pass up a midnight snack or indeed any time of day snack. And so we went down to the buffet table. The buffet table laden with food, piles and piles of food, all time of day and night, just piles of food waiting, waiting to be enjoyed. And Henry VIII started in on it. He was eating, there was gravy flying everywhere. It was a complete mess. I looked along the table trying to find anything that a vegetarian could eat. Um, I eventually found a leaf that had fallen off a tree. Let's face it, vegetarian is not big in Tudor times, if we're completely honest. But I eventually found a leaf. I had a little nibble on a leaf. And eventually, the sun rose in the sky. All of his people gathered round. One of his ladies-in-waiting looked at me and got a bit annoyed because we were wearing the same dress. And then we all got into one of his big carriages and made our way down to the beach. We made our way down to the beach, and on arrival at the beach, 
we started to walk our way along and we saw the great sparkly object in the sky. We saw the great sparkly object in the sky and as we approached it, a young lady came flying out. I realised it was Lady Felicity. She obviously didn't recognise me. She just saw something weird was going on and ran in the other direction. Now, at this point in time, Henry said, Quick, we must give chase! Uh, unfortunately, everyone had partaken in the midnight snack. We were all absolutely stuffed with food. Well, not me. I'd had the leaf, but I wasn't going to start chasing after Lady Felicity. But everyone else was absolutely stuffed with uh, whatever they have. You know, a cow stuffed inside a pig, stuffed inside a sheep, stuffed inside a mongoose. Whatever it is they had back then that Henry VIII used to eat. We're absolutely stuffed. There was no way they were going to catch Lady Felicity. However, when the object sparkled again, and me, me from the past, the, the, the future past, the, 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 uh, you see, Jeanette, this is why I don't usually do time travel stories if I can avoid it, because I've got no idea what's happening with the future and the past. Now, anyway, the me from the beginning of the story, the me from the beginning of the story came flying out of the ball, and immediately two knights ran forward, grabbed hold of me, not me, the, the other me, they grabbed hold of the other me, they dragged him off to the carriage. He's going to carry on the story that was happening earlier while I try and carry on the story that was happening later until it meets up with the story that's happening earlier. Please do just try and understand what's going on because I don't anymore. And so, Henry VIII said, well, we must find out what's going. He set up guards around the sparkly object. I thought, okay, nah, guards around a sparkly object might be a uh, bit of an object because they weren't there earlier. I'm going to have to figure that out in a few minutes. And I went off with Henry VIII. And we climbed back into his carriage, and I could see this bag on the back of the carriage bouncing around. I thought, that's me inside. You've got an uncomfortable ride ahead of you, my friend. We got back to the castle. We went back up to the main hall, and we sat in the main hall. And as we sat in the main hall, we were discussing politics of the day. We were just, just discussing the fact that I was quite sure, I said to the, uh, the king, I said, look, King Henry, I'm pretty sure you've got nothing to worry about uh, from the Spanish Armada. Absolutely not. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'll be absolutely fine. He said, I'm going to have a son soon and my son will take over the kingdom and he'll keep everything safe. I thought, yeah, why not? You go with that. You go with that, king. Um, and so we were sat there and as we sat there, obviously... I saw myself come into the room on the other side. We locked eyes. We knew everything had gone wrong. Lady Felicity came in. This was all absolute chaos. Someone shouted fire. They ran out. Now, I knew I had to get back to the beach. I had to get back to the beach. I had to get rid of the guards up there before me and Lady Felicity from the past future got over there as well. Plus, of course, actually before that, I thought I'm going to run down the stairs. I'm going to strip off this dress. I'm going to pull on my old clothes. I'm going to give the clothes back to the lady in waiting who might actually have now two sets. No, no, she doesn't have two sets of clothes. No, because the, 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 the clothes are in the time loop. I, I solved that one earlier because I come back with the clothes. Okay, it's fine. She's got one set of clothes. I've got my clothes back. The only thing is now I've got to get back to the beach before Lady Felicity and myself get back to the beach with um, two horses. And I don't currently have a horse. It's not to worry, I thought, because if there's one way to get back to a beach, just one way to get back to a beach, I'm hoping that someone in the comments is going to come up with something here because I'm absolutely struggling here. If there's one way in Tudor times that you can get from a castle to a beach, let's say, I don't know, it's about, I don't know, what, eight, seven miles, something like that. Let's call it seven miles. If there's one way you can get seven miles in Tudor times faster than you can on horseback, it's really obvious. The solution is really obvious. All you need is... All you need is to be completely let down by the people in the comments who have got absolutely... Oh, great, you can swim. 
You can swim on a beer barrel. I like it. Right, okay, we've got swim and beer barrel. I'm quite sure that makes perfect. That's right, because actually I thought swim first. I thought you could swim around the outside of the island, but swimming around the outside would take too long. I've also just had a donkey suggested as well. Brilliant. I thought that's going to take too long, so I could go in a beer barrel. But the problem is, if I get inside the beer barrel, I'm going to be in real trouble because I'm not going to float quick enough. Charlie's just jumped in saying, I'm glad you're on top of this. I'm glad. I'm going to put all those things together, okay? So we've got swimming, we've got a donkey, we've got a beer barrel, and we've got, I'm glad you're on top of this. Luckily, those four things actually give me the solution. Because what I did was, look, it was a miniature donkey, okay? And on the Isle of Wight, very, very famously, we have Carriesbrook Castle. And in Carriesbrook Castle, they have a wheel, a big water wheel for building water up the well. And it's actually donkeys that work the water wheel. Well, what I thought to myself, luckily, in Yarmouth Castle that day, they happened to have one of these donkeys and it was a miniature donkey and a really big barrel so what i did was i got the donkey and i put him inside one of the barrels now this donkey is actually really good at swimming as well that's lucky and i took that barrel with the donkey inside i pushed it pushed it off the edge of the castle into the sea as soon as it landed on the sea i jumped on top of the barrel that little donkey on the inside he's running half running half swimming around as fast as he can as he runs and spins that barrel spins round and round and round and round it comes almost like a motorboat sort of steam rolling barrel thing i'm running as fast as i can on the top um hang on i'm running backwards as fast hang on the barrel's going that way so i'm gonna have to run yeah i'm running backwards as fast as i can as the donkey inside the barrel is running forward that's making it spin. I'm running backwards. The little donkey, he's running forward as fast as he can. It's working like this donkey-powered barrel motorboat. Well done, everyone, for that one. That was absolutely fantastic. Bit of group thinking there. Donkey power... <laughs> donkey-powered barrel motorboat. I dash around the outside of the castle. As I arrive on the beach, the barrel smashes against the beach. The donkey just looks absolutely stunned. The donkey is really annoyed. Obviously, he's not happy about being put on the barrel. He goes dashing off. Not only does he go dashing off, but he's really angry, so he's kicking and stuff. And he runs over to where the guards are currently guarding the sparkly ball of light. He's kicking around. He turns around. He kicks the first one of the knights right in the sensitive area that he didn't have enough armor on turns around starts to run off the two knights start shouting they're getting really angry with the donkey they go racing off after the donkey dashing off down the beach as fast as they can after the donkey and i wait there and i see lady felicity and myself return lady felicity and myself return they both climb through the sparkly light i run up once again to the edge of the sparkly light i think hold on I've got to give this a moment, because if I go back too soon, I won't have had time to go back through the sparkly light thing again. You've got to think these things through. So I waited, and as I waited, I noticed the donkey was coming back down the beach. And the donkey, he'd clearly worn himself out, and he was, he was struggling. And he was sort of half, half walking, half limping, and it was really struggling, and he'd, he'd obviously been caught possibly by the soldiers I don't, he, anyway the, the, the poor donkey the poor donkey looked in quite a bad way and I looked around and the donkey saw a pile of crystals lying on the floor just broken up crystals from the beach and that donkey went over and he lay down on the crystals and I ran over to the poor donkey and I, I stroked its head and I calmed it down and I said little donkey little donkey I said hold on I'm doing a Christmas song at the moment I said donkey 
I said, Donkey, don't worry. I, I will figure out something. I, I will find a way to keep you safe. And so before I went back through the sparkly light, I scooped up the donkey, not realizing I'd scooped up a whole load of crystals with it. And it was actually quite hung hungry donkey, started eating these crystals as well. And I took the donkey and I dashed him off to the Tudor version of the Isle of Wight donkey sanctuary, where I handed the donkey over. I said, will you care for this donkey? They said, we will care for this donkey. We will take care of him. And then I went back to the beach. I went up to the sparkly light. I stepped through the sparkly light. And as I stepped through the other side, I turned around and slowly the sparkly light faded to nothing. And I turned around and there was Lady Felicity standing beside me. And she said, what? What on earth was that? What was going on? I said, do you know? I think I know. I think I know exactly what caused that sparkly light in the sky. And so we went back up to the car park. We got in our car. I stopped the car. I got out because I remember we had a tour group on the beach that I mentioned earlier. So we went down. We did a tour with the tour group. Then we got back in the car. We drove across the island because there was somewhere I was heading for. And I poured into the car park at the Isle of Wight Donkey Sanctuary. And I went over and I said to them, excuse me. I said, do you have records, like historic records from the, from the Tudor Times donkey sanctuary? And they said, yes, yes, we do. Would you like to see them? I said, yes. Yes, I would. And we looked back through the records and we found back in the Tudor Times, back in the times of Henry VIII, a strange man wearing some strange garb from foreign lands had turned up with a donkey that was eating crystals. And that donkey had been recovered back to health and had lived a long and happy life and eventually... It had passed away. And the people at the Isle of Wight Donkey Sanctuary had said, well, he was found on the beach. Perhaps we should return it to the beach. We'll bury him. We'll give it a little beach burial. And they took that little donkey and they buried it on the beach. But all those crystals that that little donkey had ingested, all those crystals had formed a potent with the time circle and the time loop had to close itself. And so that little donkey, buried hundreds of years ago, had to wait, wait under the ground, slowly transforming from a donkey into a crystal ball of light until just the right time to come bursting out of the sand to be seen by Lady Felicity and I so that the donkey's magical time travel story could be solved. I had done my detective work. There had been time travel. It was slightly paranormal because the donkey was like a donkey ghost thing, spectral ball, and the mystery was finally solved. And that brings us to the end of the first ever Greg Chapman Almost Live Stories of Steam story. Um, thank you so much to those people watching live for their suggestions. Thank you so much to all of you that are listening to this now on the podcast. <laughs> I just think, yeah, I, I just think that that's a wonderful comment. I've just uh, had seen a comment on the screen from Jeanette saying, that's how a bad ass story crystallized. Ass, of course, meaning donkey and not anything else because I don't want to get an explicit rating on anything. So anyway, you can now check that out. We are going to do another recording for episode two. That will be on Wednesday, the 27th of April at 6.30 p.m. But don't worry if you missed a live recording, you can watch it afterwards. But as you can see, if you're in it live, you can help to shape the story. 
Now, the reason I'm doing this, as I mentioned, is because at the moment I can't actually work. I can't actually perform. So if you would like to help us out, then please take the time to go over to www.kofi.com. That's K-O-F-I.com forward slash Greg. Uh, if you'd like to feel throw a few coins in our virtual hat, or if you go to www.co-fi.com forward slash Greg forward slash shop, links will be in the comments or something here, then please, you can go there. You can buy yourself an almost live Lavender Dodos t-shirt, or you can get yourself, you can even sponsor an episode of this podcast if you want. We've got various things going on there. If you want to help us out in other ways, though, please what find us on our podcast app, whatever podcast app you listen to this on. Please leave us a review. Leave us a rating. That is really going to help this get seen by more and more people. Most important is always word of mouth. Please just let people know that I'm doing this crazy story thing. Please think about joining us again Wednesday, 27th of April at 6.30 p.m. And if you're on Instagram, follow us on at Greg and Felicity. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much to everybody here who has joined us live today. And I am now going to say goodbye and take care.